Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, festive greetings to you one and all and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Frey. I am in very happy Christmas spirits and I'm joined by... Ding dong, merrily on tie. Oh. <laughs> Marshall, how are you doing? Uh, yes, I'm doing very well. Thanks, Rich. You, you're putting me to shame with your uh, Santa hat and festive turtleneck there. I feel like I should have made a little bit more effort, eh? It's okay, don't worry. I think uh, maybe it's, it's podcasts like this that really have sort of differentiate people who like Christmas and people who love Christmas. <laughs> and uh, the thought of being off tomorrow gives me great pleasure. So uh, enjoying this one. We're recording this on Christmas Eve. Um, we're stepping into Christmas. United are stepping into the last four of the Carabao Cup tie. Victory over Everton last night. A game which almost epitomised Solskjaer as a manager. United were excellent for the first 20 minutes. Should have been two or three nil up. They weren't. They made life difficult for themselves. Looked a bit lost for ideas in the in the middle. But they came good at the end. It was a Solskjaer signing Cavani who, who got the, the match winner. Uh, Marshall got another one to, to seal it and make it 2-0. But what was your assessment of the game? Because there's a bit of discontent on social media, but yeah, United deserved to win, and they did win. Yeah, they did. You know, they, I mean, they were generally, I think they were excellent, really. For the first half an hour, they were phenomenal. They didn't give Everton a second to breathe. And you know, the, the one criticism you can have of that period is they didn't take their chances, and Cavani especially missed a couple of really good chances. Had, had United been 2-0, 3-0 up by half an hour, no one could have complained. Fernandez could have come off after an hour, and it would have been a much easier victory. In the end, after that, it kind of became a bit more of an even game. But I still think United were the better side throughout, really. The chances didn't come as easily after that. Everton had a bit more pressure. But I can't really recall Henderson having to make many, if any, saves, really, of note. And it, it never felt like United were, were close to breaking defensively. It always felt like they were comfortable defensively. They still carried a threat, if not the same level of threat that they had in that first half an hour. And especially the first 15, 20 minutes where they were just they just blitzed Everton. Um, so, yeah, the one downside is they didn't put the game to bed by half-time, but there's still no doubt they deserved to win, and it was a sensational goal to win it. It was typical, I guess, of a, of what a world-class striker can do. I mean, even the very best strikers have off days in front of goal, and Cavani certainly did that. Some of his close-range efforts blocked by Robin Olsen. He, he had some the chances kind of fell to him, one early in the second half, a couple fairly early in the game as well, and he didn't take them. And then the hardest chance he gets in the match on his weaker foot from 20 yards, he absolutely rifles it into the bottom corner. So, you know, I mean, that's the way it works for a striker sometimes that the easy ones don't go in and then you go and produce a stunning goal like that. But, I mean, I thought generally his play was, he was excellent, to be honest, Cavani. You can criticise the missed chances, but it's going to happen. His link-up play was superb. His movement was fantastic. And he, he pressed really well as well and forced Everton's defenders into mistake. Probably something we're not really expecting from a 33-year-old striker, but he, he really got out Everton's defence. He put Michael Keane and Yerry Mina under pressure and, you know, he thoroughly deserved his goal. And yeah, I think all round, it was a very good 90 minutes for United, defensively and offensively. Yeah, I think maybe for Cavani, especially, the game sort of epitomised his career as well. I know at PSG and even with Uruguay, sort of World Cups and Copa America, he's got a bit of a reputation of fluffing his line, a bit like Higuain, in which they seem to miss some sitters, but then scored his goals. They had no right of scoring yeah. anyway. But uh, I guess, like you said, it's vindicated when, when Cavani does come good at the end. And I think sometimes... 
I mean, ultimately, you, you're defined by the goals you score as a striker, and you know that can reflect harshly on some some players. But we've just seen Cavani as that Dulux sort of version of a Garlo. The, the things he offers off the ball, the physicality, the fitness, it's just so different to Marshall and Rashford as a number nine. And the, the case has been made, regardless of how successful Cavani is at United, that when he does leave, or maybe even next summer, if United don't decide to take up the two-year option, they need an actual number nine because Cavani has revolutionised that attacking line and he really is something different. That's what Solskjaer said he wanted. He wanted someone who can get on the end of those crosses, someone who can sort of bully defences as well in, in a way that Marshall and Rashford can't. But uh, tie on the team selection last night, we saw nine changes from the team which beat Leeds at the weekend and it was... It's, Spoke volumes of United as well. That was Maguire and Bruno Fernandez, two players that Gary Neville said were the two sort of undroppables, the two oh. main focus points of United now. And they really are just two players who both give United a lot to their side, but also give them a problem in that they are so over reliant on them. And you do worry that United's season could come undone if either Maguire or Fernandez is sidelined for any sort of period of time. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two undroppables, but if they continue to play every game, they will drop at some point, unfortunately, and then that's going to be an issue for United. I mean, their their workload is incredible. I was amazed Fernandez started, to be honest. I mean, you can see why, because he does make that team tick. And I think Gary Neville said earlier in commentary, he's the player that Solskjaer just can't leave out. And after that 45 minutes at West Ham, when he did leave him out, I think he'll be very reluctant to do it again. I mean, probably Watford in the FA Cup seems an obvious game to, to rest him, but... If he plays that, then I think we can accept that he's probably going to have to play every game for the rest of time, really. And we did see towards the end of last season that he he got tired. He works incredibly hard. The intensity he started the game with last night was off the charts. He he presses ferociously, and then that's going to take it out of a player. So I think it's you know it's a risk to play. You can understand why he did it. It's a tough game, a quarter final of a cup competition. But he did get tired towards the end of last season, and United can't afford that to happen again. This season, they're going to need him in the running, especially if they're still going for, for for the title, theoretically. You know, if they're still in the title race in March, they need a fresh Fernandez. And I guess the Europa League might be a help in that regard that they can rest players. But it did it did feel like a risk playing him. I also felt a bit for, for Van der Beek. I don't know if we'll come on to him or not. But, you know, he, he's kind of signed to maybe play that role. And in the end, when he's seen every other midfielder get a start over the last week, he's, you know, he's had to really wait for starts. The last one he had was against West Ham when he was hauled off to 45 minutes. Then he gets a game here and he's plonked out on the left, on the left wing, really. And you no, know, I mean he came through at Ajax. He can play that role. He, he did it a bit in one of the Carabao Cup games. I think at Brighton earlier this season, he played off the left for a bit. But you wouldn't say it's his best position. And when he gets a rare start and a chance to impress, you can kind of understand if he's going to be a bit frustrated that he's he's having to do it out of position. And I don't think we really learned anything about him last night. I don't think we learned whether he can step in for Fernandez or not because he didn't get the chance. And it was no surprise when his number was the first to go up when United made a, a double change. So I did feel a bit for, for Van der Beek and with Maguire as well. I mean, it would be interesting to see if he would have started if Wan-Bissaka was fit and whether Twanzebe would have moved centrally. I thought Twanzebe did very well at right back, but I think Maguire started 48 United's last 51 games in all competitions. And one of the ones he missed was PSG when he was injured. You know, he started that game against Lask at Old Trafford last year when they were five and a lot from the first leg. I mean, me and you could have played centre-half that day. United would still have gone through. So it's that seemed unusual. He started one of the Carabao Cup games earlier in the season. I think at Luton he started and, and was left out against Brighton. You know, again, his his workload is, is massive. You don't do as much running as a centre-half. He's not maybe working as hard as Fernandez, but it's still a risk to be playing him in, in that many games. And it does feel like at some point, like Fernandez, he's going to need a break. 
Yeah, I think Gary Neville made a point last night in saying that you know Maguire's one of those players that you, you do notice him when he's not there rather than maybe when he is there all the time. Yeah. The standard that he's brought in at centre-back is is huge and the actual sort of leadership he, he brings from the back, there seems to be more confidence. I think I don't think it's any surprise that like Luke Shaw's got better because Maguire's usually to his right and he knows that he's there. He's got that sort of lenience. And OK, Harry Maguire might not be Virgil van Dijk, but you've got to lower your expectations sometimes. Yeah. You know, he, he does do a lot of, of hard work behind the scenes sort of in the United team I don't even mean that off the pitch but he he offers a lot to this United side maybe he doesn't always get the credit he deserves but yeah, like he's said, done I by think... I was going to say sorry, he's done by that transfer fee as well isn't he the fact that they did yeah. pay 80 million pounds for him he's the world's best centre half and he's been judged and on he's, most standards. he's called Harry Maguire he's not the most exotic player is he he's just <laughs> no. a Sheffield lad playing centre half clears the ball can play it nice and tidy, gives instructions out, but fans don't always get excited by that. Sometimes I've seen it in the past where some of these more sort of traditional boring players just don't seem to get the credit they deserve. And, you know, Harry Maguire, I think he'll be quite happy to maybe not have too much focus on him. Because if he's not got focus on him, he's doing his job right. And yeah. that's that's what we want from a centre-half. If United are winning games, that's all that matters. Clean sheets are a bonus, obviously, and that's what they're looking to do. But United are third in the league, game in hand in the Carabao Cup semi-final. City next. Um, some of the players spoke last night. They seemed quite keen in a way on City because realistically, you know, Man City are the Carabao Cup kings. You've got to play them mm. in the semi or the final. Twanzebi made the point, you know, one-legged tie at Old Trafford. Okay, there's no fans, but you'd think maybe advantage United. And as Twanzebi said, that if you beat City, then you don't fear Tottenham or, or Brentford in the final because you've beaten mm. the, the toughest team in the competition. Uh, United again, Maguire, Solskjaer both reiterated the need for a trophy. And if you talk about buzzwords at the moment, it is the process. United need a, a trophy to sort of vindicate what's what's going on and the direction the club's going in, the decisions they've made. Carabao Cup still seems like the most likely piece of trophy, bit of silver where they can win this season. What do you think United's chances are realistically tied? Do you make, make them third favourites for it or do you think that they, they have a real good chance at the final? I think after the draw, they they probably are third favourites, and they've got the toughest semi-final draw. Um, so I think you know by by laws do you of think, average. Do you think City is tougher than Tottenham, considering they were absolutely battered by Spurs early in the season? Um, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? I mean, they were battered by Spurs early in the season. It it did feel like there were slightly excuses for that. United were United were shafted in the summer with their lack of pre-season. They were clearly unfit at the start of the season. We saw it against Palace. We even saw it against Brighton when they won there. And we definitely saw it against Tottenham. So, you know, that if we played that game again now, I don't think it would finish 6-1. Um, Tottenham have been... Maybe 6-2, yeah. They get another. Um, yeah, Cavani. Yeah, Cavani would get one now, late on, off the bench. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's hard to say, really. And I mean, Tottenham haven't been great recently. City have had a hit and miss this season this year, but they are still Man City and they are still very good in this competition. So, you'd probably say that's the tougher of the two draws. I mean, it, they embraced it afterwards. I'm sure if you'd asked the players after walking off the pitch who they wanted, they'd all have said Brentford. Um, but I guess they're not going to say that once they've been drawn against City. So they have to embrace it. I mean, we've, we've seen it. if they did. It would, yeah, yeah, it would. It would, actually. Um, yeah, we've seen that United under Solskjaer can cause City under Guardiola problems. That They've done it often enough. Um, it's going to have to be a better game than the one... 10 days ago, two weeks ago, which was just, you know, which just spanked the Premier League out really, didn't it? But both teams were probably happy with the point there. They can't really be happy with a draw here because it would go straight to penalties. So um, the fact it's over one leg is going to make it interesting. I mean, the first leg was at Old Trafford last year in the semi-final and, and City was sensational. Um, Swung yeah. a tactical surprise. Probably the one time they've 
come up with a tactical surprise in these meetings with Solskjaer's United, and it completely dumbfounded United uh, on, on that occasion. Um, other than that, Pep's kept it really fairly simple against United, and Solskjaer's normally had a, a plan to work it out and has, has thrived on the counter-attack. I think City are more well insulated against being caught on the counter this year, so it's not going to be as easy for United to create chances. But, you know, on, on current form, they've shown they can compete with City, and, I mean, they've got home advantage for what it's worth at the moment. There's not going to be any fans there, is there? So it's debatable whether it's worth anything. But, you know, it, they're in the semi-finals, so they've got, to, they've got to be confident that they can win the trophy. Um, if they beat City, then they probably will be favourites for the final if they're still in this kind of form. They're the finals at the end of April, so... I mean, anything could happen by then. You know, I could have won the league by then. You know, we just uh, we just don't know doing it so far away. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an advantage that they've got City at home, I guess. But I think, being honest, they'd probably have rather played Brentford in the semi-finals. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Tice. You know, you can make an argument for or against United and that sort of fixture because it's one-legged. But then we mm. saw them in the semi-finals last year and that's where they came undone anyway. So there's no track record to maybe to back them and say they will. You know, they've got a good record against City and, and do seem to be able to nullify them to, to an extent, even if it absolutely eradicates any threat from United themselves. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, that tie will be the 6th or 7th of January. So we've not got long to go at all for that one, which, you know, I guess Manchester News gives us everything we need, doesn't it? Both sides of the City covered on one night. I guess it ticks that box for us uh, but yeah it'd be interesting to see and like you said Ty the final in April who knows where United will be then but it's looking like it won't be Mauricio Pochettino's United we have to cover this because it's just come out today on Christmas Eve that uh, Thomas Tuchel has been sacked by PSG a nice early Christmas present for him he must be he must have bought a really bad secret Santa or something for that sort of uh, repercussion so quickly but, uh, night as well. yeah and you know brutal yeah, I mean it's PSG the bare minimum is a domestic sweep and then you've got to get to the final of the Champions League now and you've got to go one step further you've got to win it um so the pressure really on there it looks like Pochettino is lined up to take over um you know we reported earlier in the season that United had identified Pochettino as the man who they who they'd want if they did replace Solskjaer they haven't replaced Solskjaer trust is still firmly in the Norwegian like we said United third in the Premier League a game in hand they play Leicester on Boxing Day so they could leapfrog them as well into the Carabao Cup semi-finals disappointed to be out of the Champions League particularly in the manner in which they let the the group slip away from them but you know they, they've got a good chance and one of the favourites for the Europa League so United firmly behind Solskjaer Pochettino to PSG what what do you make of the news? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, even just talking about it, it's it kind of just box ticking, I guess, isn't it? Because yeah. of what we knew two or three months ago. But right now, I don't think it's, I don't think it's caused any kind of concern amongst fans on social media, apart from the increasingly small minority of Ollie out nutcases on there. Um, you know, other than that, I think, I don't, I don't, I think faith in Solskjaer has probably never been as high from the fan base at the moment. United are playing really good football. There's, you know, that. They're still occasionally inconsistent, but it does feel like they are ironing out that problem. If anything, the inconsistency now is within games and they're just producing bad halves, which I suppose you could say is an improvement. They still have the habit of throwing in a mad one, like against Tottenham, against Basak Sahir, against Leipzig. But generally, they do seem to be on the right track. They put themselves into this title race. They are in the semi-finals of a cup competition. I mean, you look back to the team in Inherited and the quality of football there, and it's undeniable there's been yeah. significant like, progress. Just jump in there, Ty, as well. It is literally like just over two years since he took charge at Cardiff yeah. game. And if you look at the two lineups, they are so different. The mm. style of play is different. I know lots of fans say, what style of play do United have? And you know, when they're losing a game, it's easy to 
to be negative and say United have no ideas are completely clueless and you know they did look a bit lost last night but you know what they're trying to do you know there is the process yes they've kind of gone against their cultural reset they're trying to implement with the transfer strategy but you know they have made it clear they want young exciting players they want to play fast counter-attacking football ultimately win games like you said Ty and yeah Solskjaer isn't going to leave them this this crazy season already you know United have played some of the worst football I've ever seen them play and some of the best and you think about like the win away at PSG was phenomenal. Frashing Leipzig was phenomenal. Yes, they lost to both these teams in the group stage as well, but they have played really good football this season. And, you know, like you said, Ty, this, this league is so wide open. Yeah. It only takes two wins and United at the top of the league. And, you know, it might sound ludicrous and, and silly, but it, it could feasibly happen. And that's what United believe as well for themselves. And it's not sort of club rhetoric of them saying, yeah, we back Solskjaer, but they generally do because they know that things can change so quickly in football. And like you said, Ty, when we come to the Carabao Cup final in April, United could be league leaders by then. And they might be able to rest players for the Carabao Cup final. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But like I said, I guess it is box ticking. Uh, Pochettino obviously is going to be a candidate for any any top job in, in world football because he's a top manager. So it's yeah. it's one of those. It's just like if United were to get rid of a star player, they'd already have an idea of who they'd want to replace him with because yeah. that's just how football works. You've always got to plan ahead. So Pochettino, obviously someone who United admire and, and are fans of because he did so well in the Premier League with Tottenham if he didn't win his trophies. But who knows, five, four years' time, he might have won 15, 20 trophies with a PSG. And a, yeah, all worthless. Exactly. <laughs> Farmers yeah, League, right. are, we, are we still pushing that on? Well, I guess, I don't, guess so. Don't I think mean, it counts when they finish above you in the Champions League group. Yeah, it's some Farmers League when PSG aren't top of it at the moment. I think they're still only second, which is probably why Tuchel's got the bullet. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it always made sense for United to have a plan B and, and Pochettino was always the obvious plan B. But even when it felt externally like he was under, like Solskjaer was under severe pressure earlier this season after Tottenham, after Istanbul, United were always firm in their belief that they had the right man and they were going to give him time. We've all kind of, we've got this issue with him that what he's done previously in management doesn't really tell us about his credentials for United because winning two titles at Molder nearly a decade ago and taking Cardiff down is, you know, I mean, it's almost like doing a different job to managing United, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's like being from a, going from a green grocer at Morrison's to a baker at Morrison's. They're completely different. You know, they're almost completely different jobs in the same sphere. So it doesn't, we don't really know much about his, his background. So we're kind of learning about him on the job. But, you know, he's, he's clearly taking the club in the right direction at the moment. He's, he's laying a good platform there. And, you know, I mean, he's so popular at the moment that even his terrible dad jokes are going down well on, on Twitter, such as watching the game with his eyes last night and... You know, I mean, that just kind of shows that he can uh, he can do no wrong at the moment. And I think, you know, amongst the fans, I think a, a decent majority of the fans have always backed him and have always been able to see through short-term results to long-term progress. But I think at the moment amongst fans, faith in him has, has probably never been higher. I'd also like to point out, I've got nothing against league Coming from North Wales, I, I literally know what a farmer's league is like. You know, I've seen them. I've seen the big, big, the big eared boys on the farm and it is very different to a Neymar and Mbappe <laughs> running you silly. So, uh, yeah. Big respect to, to Lee Gunn and yeah, you know, proofs in the pudding. If PSG can achieve what they want to do under Pochettino, then good for them. You know, it's vindicated by then, but we'll watch on and see. It's Solskjaer's United and it looks like it will be for the foreseeable future. You mentioned uh, sort of Solskjaer's Christmas jokes there. Will there be a Christmas cracker on Boxing Day? Tie Leicester away. United have a really good record against Leicester, you know, in, in, in the top flight. They've only lost Ooh. to them. Was that 5-3, you know, when they when they first came up and that crazy game, Tyler Black had sent off and... Di Maria won the goal, which gets forgotten about. Um, Leicester, 
you know, you've got to give them huge credit. They're probably one of the most consistent teams in the Premier League. And you think about over the last two, three years, arguably like the second or third best team because they are so consistent, they're doing so well, and their expectations now are top four football. I know they didn't get it last season, they picked by United on the final day, but it's almost, if Leicester aren't in a top four battle, then it's almost seems like a failure to them, which is huge credit to, to the work which has been done at the King Power Stadium. United go there, Ty, and, you know, I don't want to be too much of a misery, but a point looks a good result already going into that game. What do you think United's approach will be? Do you think they'll go to the three-five-two and look to play on the break, or do you think they will look to sort of capitalise on their own attacking content and go with that more expandable sort of four-three-three formation? Yeah, I think it'll probably be that four-three-three. Yeah, I think it'll probably be back to Fred and McTominay at, at the base of midfield, guard against you know Leicester's ability on the on the counter attack. I think both teams probably like to play on the counter attack, which might make it a bit of a, a tense game. But I think it will be. I think it'll be a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, but I think the midfield will become a bit more defensive. I mean, Fred and McTominay were brilliant going forward against Leeds, to be fair, in quite specific roles. I don't think they'll enjoy that kind of space at Leicester, and it'll probably be more about their their energy and their ability to, to cover space in front of the back in front of the back four to, to protect United. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you'd probably say a point is a good result. I mean, Leicester are second at the moment, kind of flying under the radar in, in this title race, really, but you'd have to say they're in it. I think the most impressive part of their season for me is that they, you know, last season at, at this stage, last season at Christmas, last season they looked nailed on for top four, but for the entire second half of the season, you know, they just fell away. Really, they were they were poor before lockdown, they were poor after lockdown. In the end, they got pipped on the final day by United, and that could have been a real body blow to to Rogers and to the club. They've not made loads of signings this summer, but he's managed to get them back on their feet to pick them up to kind of almost banish the second half of last season from their memories to banish the fact that they've. You know, they did blow a very good chance of getting in the Champions League. That's been completely forgotten about. And they've come back looking an even better side this year. They've had some great results. Probably not brilliant at home, probably because they like to play on the counter and it suits them better playing away. But I think the way they've recovered from last season and, and from what went wrong in the second half of last season is is hugely impressive. I mean, Rogers is one of the best managers in the Premier League, best coaches in the Premier League for me. I think he's done a superb job there and, and a good job everywhere he's been, really. Um and, you know, full credit to them for, for picking themselves up and, and getting on it. I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough game for United. If they do win, then, you know, the, the title talk will only go up another notch. Um, I think, I mean, Solskjaer's not mentioned this in press conferences. I'd be intrigued to see if he mentions it after the game, like he did at Everton, <coughs> excuse me, in November. But I think United have been shafted by the fixture planners again here. The fact that, you know, Leicester haven't had a game in midweek. United have played last of the four games in the Carabao Cup and then play first on Boxing Day, which gives them, you know, I mean, they'll be in for a recovery session today. They'll be in for a training session on Christmas Day. Then they'll have to travel to Leicester on Christmas night, with it being a 12.30 game that they have to stay over. So they'll be staying in Leicester on Christmas night. I mean, you know, it's it's a family time, but they're going to see very little of their families over Christmas. There's very little time. Really, that session on Christmas Day is the only training session they're going to have to dedicate to Leicester. Um, and they have just had very little recovery time. I mean, all the managers this year have told us sleep is essential for recovery and all right on Wednesday night they were you know they were down the M62 on Merseyside rather than Istanbul so it's not quite the same as then but when you take into account the fact that it is Christmas and the work they're having to go through I think you know, I think they've been dealt a, a pretty poor hand for this game really compared to you know, Leicester have got a free week because they're not in the Carabao Cup so you know that's an advantage to United but at the same time United have been shafted in the way that they played last on a Wednesday got the adrenaline late on the, the Leeds game as well you late know, on a Sunday was... as well yeah. yeah, and even you know they, they might have been back in in Manchester for half eleven midnight last night, but 
when you've still exerted that amount of energy in a game, that amount of adrenaline for winning it late. You know, I think most footballers say they find it hard to sleep after a night game. So they've probably not got a great night's sleep. You're in for a recovery session today. Christmas Eve tonight, a lot of them have got families. I can't imagine the kids are going to be sleeping very long tonight. So, and then you've got a night in a hotel on Christmas night. So, although Solskjaer's not mentioned it, after the Istanbul and then trip to Everton in November, he, he waited until after United had won that game and kind of used it as fuel, really, for the players by saying they've been set up to fail. And I wonder if he'll use a similar tactic this time because it, it does feel to me like they've been dealt a pretty bad hand over Christmas with, with this set of fixtures, really. Yeah, exactly. I think he's... He's fully entitled to do it if if, if he wants to social. Like you said, it's we. I mean, every manager has it tough this season. That that's a given. And the United aren't asking for for maybe special treatment in that regards. They know it's difficult for everyone, but just a bit of help. And again, it does seem like the TV companies and the schedulers want United to to maybe drop points because it makes good headlines. It makes the crisis sort of narrative run smoother for them. Yeah. Um, to maybe maybe be pushed because, like you said, there's no reason why United should be be playing last in the Carabao Cup and then the first on Boxing Day. It doesn't really make too much difference. I mean, you know, it might seem to 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 viewers sort of what, what difference does a half 12 to a three o'clock make? But, you know, most Premier League managers are against that early kickoff on the Saturday. What, what usually is the Saturday morning, I guess, what yeah. Boxing Day is uh, for us this year. So, yeah, United really do have reason to uh, complain if they want to but they'll hope to do their talking on the pitch and use that squad depth which they've got uh, to their advantage but you know like we said Fernandes and Maguire already probably running quite close to empty because they've been so used over Christmas and they won't have much time off over the next coming weeks either and you know it's always that sort of cliche but the the title can often be decided over Christmas it can be that festive mm-hmm. sort of fixture Ronan or even the pile-up, which can really either derail a team or stabilise a team and give them that momentum. And, you know, we saw last weekend, I don't I know fans don't want to be talking about Liverpool too much, but they've come good at the right time, it looks like, mm. with an absolute demolition job of Crystal Palace. So United just need to keep pace at the moment, get the points on the board, that's all that matters, stay in contention. And like we said, who knows what can happen in the new year. Uh, Tyrone, thank you very much. I know it's Christmas Eve. Sure. You should be able to go in there, enjoy the time that you get off your family as well yes, and uh, thank you very much to all of you who are listening and thank you to all of you who have listened throughout the year as well um always a pleasure to to join you on the manchester's red podcast and uh yeah once again ty thank you very much for your time today pleasure rich and Happy thank christmas. you once again. yeah you two all as well at home uh merry christmas one and all we will be back on boxing day united versus leicester in the premier league and we'll try to get another podcast podcast squeezed in somewhere between uh boxing day and new year's but fix your congestion podcast congestion it all piles at this time of year just have a great christmas enjoy the high of another Carabao cup semi final and hopefully united can deliver a late present on boxing day thank you very much please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we will see you again next time.